You are listening to Be Simply. This is Suzanne Toro, a.k.a. She. You can anticipate being inspired, discovering some inner and outer wisdom and inspiration. Without further ado, let's dive into Be Simply. Welcome to Soul, Silence, and Sound, and this is our seventh segment on the eight limbs of yoga, the Yoga Sutras as translated from Patanjali. And as we've been going through this process, this has been an opportunity for you, if you so to choose, to evaluate how you interact with yoga and if it has been just an asana practice with pranayama, with breath, and maybe some meditation. So today, when we are going to dive into the seventh limb, and we're going to talk about dhyana, which is meditation. And as I explained to my students that what we're working towards, I would say more important than even samadhi is this meditative act of self, not just the physical self, but the eternal self. And this is really powerful uh, practice because it carries with you from one lifetime to the next in a way that you can't imagine. It's like learning to ride a bike and then you ride a bike again and you get back on and you figure it out. Or if you've been skiing before and you go skiing, you may be like, oh, and then you pick up pretty much where you left off. And so... What is fascinating, though, what I've witnessed is uh, because we're a culture that is on demand, uh, there are a lot of addictions, afflictions, avoidances, short attention spans, that society is pretty far away from a meditative mind, our collective mind. So one of the biggest services that you can do on a daily basis, a lot of people are like, oh, I have to have a big nonprofit or I have to do this, that or the other. The biggest thing help that you could do for the collective mind for our consciousness is to learn to properly meditate. And yes, there's a lot of apps. I'll even um, create some guided meditations. Uh, even during our sound segment, I put a little bit of a tone there uh, just because it's being put out on the internet, they might be like, why is it silent? But ideally, uh, we want a good meditator to have nothing. Nothing meaning no sound, no mantra, no guidance, meaning a guided meditation to make you feel like a butterfly or go on a unicorn journey. We want you to have your buttocks on the cushion on the floor upright awake conscious and relaxed and present and there's such a great power in that now many people are very uncomfortable with what that takes to get there and they are attached to maybe all the crutches that are available for both asana and for even meditation. So as inspired outside of these segments, I really encourage you just bottom to the floor, sit upright, 
soft gaze to the floor, especially if you have a busy mind. If, if your mind is super busy, meaning that you go into analysis paralysis about almost everything in your life, your mind's way too busy. And if you tend to talk a lot or uh, have a lot of questions, which is fine, but these are all indicators that you um, your mind is busy. So first uh, way to help settle that mind is to talk less, listen more, but listen objectively. And we'll go a little bit deeper into that, not judgmentally or with another quandary. In addition, practice sitting in silence, complete silence. And if you can have many periods throughout your day with no noise around you, meaning that you don't add the radio, you don't add music, that you just can be still in the silence. This will help you getting comfortable with your mind. It'll also help with your sleep. It'll help clear your mind and your dreaming attention, uh, which we'll do a whole other maybe segment on dreaming awareness, but that's a great way to reconcile karma and help you learn how to settle your mind in that state. So what happens in the system of yoga is, as I've mentioned, that it unfolds. It's a, they call it a kind of like a tree, if you will, and it kind of just keeps working in and around you, similar to how the universe is spiraling around. And so there isn't like you do this and then that, there's not a diagram and an instruction sheet. And that's one of the most fascinating observations I've had of the yoga community and people that say they meditate is that uh, maybe they go and sit and check it off the box or they go and listen to an app that offers you some calm or quiet or peace. Uh, Maybe they go and listen to some cool binary beats or all those kinds of things, which I guess they're all tools and not to uh, say anything other than that right now. But they will end up being crutches, no different than substances. They will end up being an obstacle versus your gateway into uh, deeper states of being present with yourself. So even with a mantra, mantras are used for specific reasons and they're very helpful in certain situations. Uh, And especially if you've gone through formal empowerments with those mantras, then you'll be in a deeper practice with them. But to always rely on them in meditative repose and not sit in just pure, simple silence, you're evading learning how to be quiet, to be still with yourself. And so the mind is pretty interesting. You know, we break it down and, you know, we're going to have a sense in our mental activity that we understand something, meaning that we had a direct experience with something with our eyes. We see it, you know, that saying, if I see it, I'll believe it. Even then, someone could be delusional and not really understand what they're seeing or, you know, a lot of things could be happening, but they they have direct experience or perception with something uh, or they have reliable testimony, meaning that it's gone through scientific study, medical journal study, something that's quantitative that could be referred in from a source that hopefully has some reputation behind it. It's not just a blip or 
a meme. So that's understanding. And that when we have understanding of something, mind you, it can change over time as we get new bodies information, but it's more of a knowing. So then the mind can be delusional. And this comes from a false impression of reality. And so that mind, when it's delusional, it can like conjure up all kinds of stuff. And if it wants to see something a certain way, it'll perceive it that way. And this is where a lot of uh, mental pathologies uh, can start and then they can get more and more amplified, obsessive compulsive, uh, delusional disorder, uh, disassociation from reality, disassociation from your own physical body, uh, multiple personality uh, pathologies, all kinds of pathologies. Uh, and then when this happens, the mind becomes delusional. And, and this is one of the parts that's really important, why it's important to have a good teacher or guide that's still calm and patient because when people go into meditative repose, especially if they like to go on magic carpet rides, meaning maybe they've done some substances in their past, maybe they have a mental pathology that keeps them from being in their rational objective mind, that they can go in these delusional states and perceive a lot of things that aren't. And so there's always this, this crossover from perception and other other states of beings, we'll say waking, sleeping, dreaming, meditative states. And then you have to back check it. You don't just say, oh, I saw a unicorn. So therefore there was a unicorn. Again, that's a perception in a certain state of being. And then we would say, okay, can we verify that there's a unicorn anywhere else? And, you know, we'd work with it that way. So then we have the imagination. So, you know, when we write stories and books, we can create this imaginary world, a world that doesn't even exist. And this is where, you know, fantasies can occur. Uh, this is can feed into delusion. We use the imagination to create realities that are not there. So the state of delusion and imagination can be very, very uh, precarious. Uh, delusion and imagination. So you, you want to be able to use the imagination in a proper way, meaning that if you're using it for creative purposes, you're utilizing it to uh, build upon something, but you're not delusional and thinking that that imaginary realm is really real and people can get lost in these uh, illusionary spaces that might be created for a lot of reasons. And then uh, the other place where we have mental activity is in our sleep and our dreaming consciousness. And there's a sense for all of us that it's, it's just nothing. And there is a nothingness to it, but actually what you're peering into when you're having dreams is your own psyche. Uh, that's why it'd be good to do a whole segment on that powerful place. You know, when I work with people one-on-one -on -one, help slowly train them to unlock what's going on in their psyche and uh, reconcile certain things, it's can be more effective than even uh, doing many types of psychotherapy because I'll teach them over space how to address certain things, how to see it from a proper perspective 
is again, if we're in delusion or attachment or we've twisted something around, it takes some shifting of perspective so that we can unlock that in our psyche and set it free. And then we have the memory, uh, the good old memory that brings us to our past, brings forward our traumas, brings forward the conversation, brings forward the repetitive thoughts. It goes round and round and round all day. So during the course of a day, you could be running through all these states in your mind. And where ultimately we want to be in our yoga is beyond so where the mind is completely free. So even in understanding, like in correct knowledge, we want to access what is as needed. And that's why I recommended certain times of day, having silence and quiet in your home, putting that phone away in the drawer, uh, forget about these imaginary worlds that we participate in. And social media is definitely an imaginary world. You know, we've, built a construct of potentially that we have to utilize it for things like work or sharing information like this. Uh, So to keep it in its proper perspective, but don't get lost in there. You know, the same thing can be true if someone's uh, working with certain types of traditional medicines, uh, plant medicines, that they can get lost in the medicine. The same is true in meditation. The student can get lost and that's why it's really important to have a teacher and it's my favorite part of yoga is to lead people to this point and it's not you know it's it's again a spiral activity yet so much is present when i observe someone doing their asana and so to be patient with them and in asana it's not about getting that perfect posture because if you're thinking and you're positioning and you're all it does is it's a constricting environment and versus feeling open, conscious, and awake. And then over time, you're going to deepen and deepen into that posture. And then even beyond that, you're going to realize that you'd rather be spending more time on the cushion than in those asana postures. <laughs> and you'll, you'll meet your mat in such a different way. So it's very fascinating. So for this this limb i really recommend in conjunction with your quote-unquote yoga practice if you're doing uh asana a little bit of pranayama if you're not doing pranayama with your asana really recommend create some space for that recommend using pranayama leading into your meditation a formal sit because these these three tools are going to help you feed these other things that we've talked about. And then even when we get to samadhi, you know, this freedom, your mind's finally settled. Uh, it's important to understand how you access these places. And the more and more uh, skilled you become at this, you just drop in. There's nothing to, there's nothing to worry about. You just drop in. <laughs> it's not like you don't even have to prepare or think about it. It's just you're there, which is really nice. And so with our meditation practice, this is where we start to access this very, very special place, the space, the space, which, you know, I call it the void or the gap where you don't know that you're there until you come out of it. You're still present in 
your body. You're still present and awake in your posture because you're upright and seated, but everything falls away. And this can happen in a seated Zen posture where you have a soft gaze and you have a dristy point right there on the floor or at a mandala, or it can happen with a closed eyes. Either way, when it occurs, you're just there. Nothingness. And then you realize that you're there <laughs> and here when you kind of come out of it. And it feels like coming up from the depths of the water and you jump, come up, you know, maybe you dove down to the bottom of the pool or the ocean, you come up and you take that first breath. And then you're like, ah, I was just there. <laughs> and it, it's such a yummy transition because you, you feel all that was given to you. You don't have to intellectualize it. You don't have to think about it. You just have a nice little grin on your face. It's like, wow, you know, and your best not to grasp wanting to go back is just to give gratitude and be like, wow, that's fantastic. And so, you know, there's some simple things that you can do for your everyday life to assist in strengthening this, this muscle uh, because you know, as I mentioned, it's going to go with you. And then it feeds in this meditation process really feeds into your laws of life, your rules for living. And especially if you are under empowerments, those are going to feed that too. your understanding of karma. And they just keep opening and opening and opening. And within that, you might say, oh, I don't want to be bored by sitting and meditating all the time. I'm going to go out and have a lot of fun. Yet the reality is, is life is just easier from this perspective. It's simpler. Uh, you might go and engage, you know, with the world and you're like, oh, wow, just easier to simplify my life. <laughs> anyone's life, mine being the collective my or I or you or however you want to refer to it. And then it enriches because it starts to bring you towards uh, a deeper understanding of why you're here, meaning that it may not shift what you're doing for your job, but it'll enrich it. It may not shift your relationships, meaning you don't have to leave your relationships or leave your jobs or any of those things, but it'll enrich it. It'll give you a deeper understanding how to serve it. It'll give you a deeper understanding how to be patient with what is. And so these all work together. And then as we get deeper into the subtle mind, which we'll be talking about in the, the upcoming week, is that you really start to find your freedom and that's a great place to be. And, and within that freedom, uh, you're naturally cultivating compassion. You're not using the word compassion. Uh, you're naturally inclined to be kind. You're naturally inclined to be honest. Uh, you're naturally inclined to hold your integrity. And you're naturally inclined to retire the I. Mm -hmm. And that's your hall pass beyond the grasping that exists within samsara, the, the wheel of life. 
And so a couple tips here for your meditation practice, and then we'll have our practice today, is that if in your place, similar to you maybe put your mat down wherever you put it down, and I highly recommend if you can place your mat in the same place, you know, really build the energy there. One of the classes I teach, we've been doing it outside recently. We transitioned back inside, and one day we had a shift because someone was in the spot that I normally sit in and everyone could feel it because everyone had been going to a specific spot in the public domain where they've been anchoring their energy. So the same with your asana practice, your pranayama, even your studies. Uh, If you put that mat down in the same place, that's going to be super helpful. The world doesn't have to end if someone takes your spot or if you have to move your mat you can be flexible that way too but in your consistent practice if you can do it that way that's helpful number two where you meditate it could be on that mat or maybe you have a place that's just for meditation seated repose that if you can make that consistent too again You know, when I take people on retreats, we usually do a very formal setting and then we'll do public setting for meditation. And I'll get a little deeper into that, but there's a reason for that because we want to be able to quiet our mind in all settings, not just in a perfectly quiet space. So find a place in your home where you can have your seated meditation practice that you will go there and to meditate. It can have an altar, uh, you light a candle, you feed incense, water maybe to your altar, uh, you have a cushion on the floor, you sit, whatever reason for you to sit on the floor, then feel free. Sit up in a chair, sit up on the sofa or on your bed. And then meet that place every day, as I mentioned with the mat and your yoga practice, the entire system with reverence, with sacredness. And then from there, that's where you're going to be. And some days it's not going to be comfortable. That's just how life is sometimes. Sometimes it's we're antsy, we're, we're not wanting to sit. But if you can consistently meet this location, the same time, same place, What will happen is your body and your soul and your spirit and your mind are ready for it, similar to working out. If you consistently work out, your body, your mind, and soul are ready for it. So I recommend if you can start there. And then if you're not accustomed, you've been maybe sitting here in the, you know, 25 or 30 minutes of silence, and maybe that's easy, maybe it's not. Maybe you get your mind wanders. Maybe you fast forward to the sound. I don't know. Uh, it's totally up to you. But if you get comfortable, you know, giving a really solid on your own, start with five minutes, then bump it up to 10, then 15, 20. You can give a good 30 minute dedication to your practice twice a day and then increase it from there. But you know, I think everyone can give 30 and 30 and then maybe eventually an hour and an hour. Uh, I know, as I mentioned, probably at nauseum, we all waste too much time on those phones. So you have the time, same as you have the time to work out. So between 
you know, scraping off those uh, two things, you'll be a lot healthier. I mean, subtract the hours from your phone and give it to meditation, asana, and working out, and you'll feel great, right as rain. So start small, set your alarm on your phone, or have an analog clock that you can peek at. Prefer you just set your alarm, especially if you're not in complete comfort with how long you're going to sit there. So you know, your mind cannot obsess that, oh, I only have 10 minutes. And what if I don't, I sit too long or, or you keep looking and your whole time spent looking at the clock, just set the alarm, know it's going to go off. And no matter how busy that mind is, stay there, breathe, follow your natural breath, use that as your focal point. If the mind gets going, just allow the thoughts to be there, allow them to come in and out of the space meaning your mind, and just watch them go by. You don't have to engage. And especially if you start seeing, I don't know, mushroom men, Martians, unicorns, imaginary things, or delusional things, or fantasies, let them just go in and out. Just observe them. No judgment, just let them be. And then from there... It'll start to deepen. And, you know, this is probably the most simplistic way I can explain this. Uh, And if you do are serious about your meditative practice and want some instruction and want to go deeper and want to sit with myself, uh, that will help you deepen your practice. Uh, There's something that happens when you sit with someone that has a a skill at something, you know, if you sit with a carpenter that's really skilled, you're going to learn from them. If you sit with a chef that is really skilled, you're going to learn from them. If you sit with a skilled meditation teacher, you're going to learn from them. The same with a skilled uh, entire yoga teacher. And that will give you a sense of grounding in your practice too, because what can happen so like I said, people will want want to do this, but they'll they'll add all these bells and whistles and these crutches. And if you can have less, that's better. You know, I, I use the same principles even in my kitchen. Less gadgets as po- the least amount of gadgets as possible, a less electrical items as possible, yoga, the least amount of props, if any, as possible. Because then you have lighter load to carry in life. So if you're going with all the tools you need, you don't need that many and you have a lot of freedom. And the same is the metaphor for your mind. If you cannot need a lot of things uh, in your mind, you're free. You have absolute freedom. And we're going to dive a little deeper into that next week. So for this week, as inspired, if you're not consistent with your meditation practice, and are ready to do some of that, I encourage you to set a time, start with once a day, and get that solid, get that solid up to 20 minutes, 30 minutes, and then start by adding the second. Don't bite off more than you can chew. Set yourself up for success, and just increase by five minutes at a time. And that will be beautiful, and it'll enrich all these other limbs, it'll feed so many things that you can't even imagine. And there's just a natural content 
state of being uh, when you don't have to grasp at all these other things. So with that being said, what I'd like to do is welcome us into meditation. And so wherever you are, you want to be prepared that you can lay back into Shavasana as we finish out the silent meditation. And then uh, to start, though, I'd like you upright and seated posture, half lotus, full lotus, cross-legged position. If you need to put your legs straight out with a pillow underneath them, and you can put a pillow up, up under your bum to uh, keep those knees downward facing. That helps too in meditative posture. And then from there, I want you to extend that back all the way up and then drop the shoulders down, get a nice extension through your spinal column. And then gently from there, bring your gaze to a focal point down in front of you or just take a nice moment to gently close your eyes if you so to choose and then take a nice deep breath in and out another one inhale and exhale Again, inhale. And exhale. Good. Another one, inhale. And exhale. And then gently from there, welcoming you to follow your natural breathing pattern. Allow that to be your focal point.
Taking a soft, gentle breath into your heart center. Gently breathing in. And out. Again, inhale. And exhale. Another one, inhale. And exhale. And then gently from there, just rolling over onto your right or left side. And then gently bringing yourself into an upright seated posture bringing the hands in front of your heart center, lifting the spine up and taking a deep breath in and out. Again, inhale. And Exhale. Good. And then gently from there, welcoming you to just follow your natural breathing pattern for a moment and silently express gratitude for all aspects of self, giving thanks for all that you are. And then gently giving gratitude to something beyond here, someone, place, person, people, where you feel it would be welcomed and potentially beneficial in this moment. And then gently from there, going to welcome you to bring those hands up to your forehead in prayer position and gently connecting to your highest expression, your inner wisdom, your innate gifts that are intended to be of service. And then take another deep breath in. And then as inspired, exhale. And then to simply honor self, take a moment to bow to self with respect. Beautiful. And as you rise back up into that seated posture, one, I want to thank you for taking the space to listen and receive from me in teaching and in sound and in guidance. And as inspired this next week and into the future, if you can put a little bit more structure around your meditation practice 
you will greatly benefit from that. If you want to learn a little bit more and go a little deeper beyond what we've shared here, feel free to send me an email or a text. Emails s at suzantoro.com. <laughs> I almost got confused there. s at suzantoro.com. Uh, so it's been beautiful to share this moment with you and remember that you are divine and we'll get a little blip of aham prema again with Donna Delory. And I want to give a special shout out to Random Rab, uh, also to Donna Delory and to Dante Marino, who was, uh, person that assisted me in creating some of the sounds you've heard here. He was so nice to let me record in his studio and sit through uh, the process of creating sound in that manner. So I appreciate you all. I honor you all. And I bow to you all with deep respect. Namaste. Until next time, this is Suzanne, a.k.a. She. Signing out with a full heart, a soft gaze, a big smile, and a namaste. Be simply. listening to Be Simply. This is Suzanne Toro, aka She. You can anticipate being inspired, discovering some inner and outer wisdom and inspiration. Without further ado, let's dive into Be Simply.